cream of the crop. Welcome to the 95th edition of the Guna Podcast, recorded on the Wednesday night before Arsenal visit Swansea in the Premier League. This podcast is sponsored by Gunashirts.com, the finest website for all your Arsenal t-shirts. I'm your host, David Edo, and I'm continuing with the panel from the podcast just recorded, meaning on the other side of the table from me are Don Sebastiano, Kevin Witcher, and Pradeep Kachala. Um, Pradeep. There's been some funny results over Christmas. You know, you've seen Manchester City went from will they finish the season invincible and lost two in about three. Manchester United got hammered by Newcastle. Even Tottenham struggled and dropped two points at Swansea City. Is their title still there for the taking for Arsenal? No. No. Good answer. See you next time, guys. (laughs) (laughs) No, come on, let's be realistic. Uh... I think we got a little bit of ahead of ourselves before the Fulham game, and I got caught up in it, so sorry. And uh, it was a, you know, it brought us back down to earth, but let's be fair, it's going to take a monumental catastrophe for the teams above us to, uh, for us to be any chance of the, uh, of the title. Yeah, you know, Man United, they have to collapse. Manchester City, even though they've apparently they've only got 19 players to play tonight, poor them. Uh, Apparently, for the Colin Cup semi-final. Uh, in, in fairness to Mancini, he said that, and then one of the Germans said, "What about Owen Hargreaves?" Oh yeah, um, twenty. Okay, <laughs> nineteen and a half. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So I, I think if anyone does slip up, um, there'll be teams ahead of us who will um, take that uh, as an advantage over us. Kev, do you think the title has gone away and might be back in I don't know twenty sixteen something like that? Well, I mean, it's, it is there for the taking if you've got the team capable of doing it. Um, sadly, we haven't. Um, so, you know, we are going to drop cheap points. Um, so we can't take advantage of when teams above us do exactly the same. I mean, Christmas period, you know, OK, I think uh, everyone expected us to lose at uh, Man City. Um, but then we, we got the win at Villa. So, you know, it's all right. OK, back on the roll. And then you got that... Um, the the Boxing Day uh, not Boxing Day 27th of December draw at home to Wolves now you know if you're gonna if you're gonna make progress you don't drop points at home to Wolves um, and then you don't also go uh, up against Fulham and then end up losing the game so Arsenal are still giving away too many cheap points and we are still looking now at managing to get into the top four. It's sad because there have been a number of seasons recently where I consider the team that has won the league hasn't been very good. It's normally Manchester United, to be honest. Mm. Um, and there's been titles there for the taking, but Arsenal have, in Devon Lock style, managed to collapse. So um, it's been a frustrating period because if we had done things a bit differently... Arsenal could have won at least a couple of titles in the new stadium. Um, this mm. season isn't going to be any different. I mean, we, we did lose too much ground early on in terms of points. So it's just a hope that we can consolidate enough to A, get into the top four and ideally finish above Tottenham because we don't really want them finishing above us uh, because they probably have an open-top bus parade just for that very achievement. <laughs> but Steve, uh, I mean, bear in mind... Since the, the last podcast, we, we've, we've played five league games, won two, lost two, and drawn one in the middle. Um, 
do you think we, we just really haven't got a chance because that record of winning two, losing two and drawing one is pretty much going to be our tail for the end of the season? Or, or do you think we can pick it up from here on in? Well, as Kev said, um, you know, to not, basically to not get nine points from Wolves and QPR at home and Fulham away, or at least seven, uh, means, you, you know, title contenders get nine points from those games. And, uh, however, uh, you know, obviously there's a newfound optimism with Thierry Henry, whether that's just going to be a little blip and everyone goes, well, hey, like that, and then it's just business as usual. And, uh, you know, we wake up with a bit of a hangover and Henry uh, can't, you know, uh, live up to the initial promise, which is just as likely as not. Um, unfortunately, we don't have enough depth in the side. I think, you know, players like Song are, are class players, I think. We, we do have class players, but we have too many chumps, I'm afraid, uh, for me at the moment, who aren't pulling their weight, don't have that extra uh, bit, bit of what's necessary, uh, and just aren't playing very well. You know, Andre Arshavin isn't playing well. Jovino promises much, delivers very little, gets, gets, to, gets to a great, into lots of goal-scoring opportunities, and then doesn't put the bloody thing in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wally Walcott, need I say more. And, you know, really, Van Persie, without Van Persie, uh, the ball's not going in the back of the net. That's what it's looking like, you know. Um, mm. And you, you may get you know, Vermaelen and, and, and Koscielny getting the odd header in. I'm still waiting for Mertesacker's kind of, uh, you know, uh, I'm a German, I score goals with my head from corners. But that, that doesn't seem to be happening very often. Uh, so, yeah, we just I, I don't think we've got it in us, to be honest with you. I mean, as I joked before, you press the record button. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, wondering whether to make plans to leave the country before... Uh, the open top bus parade that Kev just mentioned, uh, the thought of Tottenham coming higher than us this season is is unthinkable, unbearable, and uh, well, uh, frankly, it also exposes um, this myth that uh, Arsenal cannot compete with uh, the petrodollars of Manchester City and Chelsea, because so far this season it seems to me that Tottenham are making a decent fist of it mm. with less resources than we have got. Mm. Um, through basically having, an, uh, you know, I don't like to say this, but having a decent manager who can organise a group of players and get the most out of them and, and get some desire in, in that group of players. And there's a lesson there for the, the Arsenal board. You know, you've got to have a look and realise that actually you don't need to have uh, a shake or a, a Russian um, billionaire running the show to, to get your team competitive. It's, it's, it's who you recruit, uh, A, on the coaching team, and B, on the pitch, and what you get out of them. Well, Henri might fill that role, as, as far as you were talking about desire, you know, and that's what Redknapp has managed to get out of the Tottenham side. And someone like Henri could end up almost playing a kind of uh, sleeping co-manager role with, you know, on the quiet, a bit of a... Because he's talking about, you know, I don't care if I am on the pitch, if I'm off the pitch, if I'm in the dressing room, whatever. But the kind of... The, the positive... You know, he's a winner, and, and we need a bit of that rippling through the side. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to, to, to see Henri react to some of the performances we've seen this season. If he'd been in the dressing room, one wonders if we'd been so lackadaisical uh, coming out, you know. Um, well, he's another captain as well. Yeah, you know, mean, we've got another captain on the pitch, yeah. and we need a bit of that. I mean, obviously, I, and also, you know, with players like Vermeulen and, uh, and Murtasaka, mm-hmm. you know, you've got Van Persie, Henri, 
song to a certain extent. You know, you, the, the, even Arteta, who's I don't think has quite lived up to. But was he it, the captain on Monday? Yes, oh, Arteta was. was yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you, you do that. There, there, there is a little bit of grown-up uh, attitude going on there. Mm. It's not just kids anymore. So hopefully, maybe there's that balance that we've we've been missing for so long. And I mean, looking at our midfield. Um, I'm really, really worried that, that we've got a huge creativity lacking throughout the entire, entire team. You look at, we, we played the same formation last year, this, this 4-2-3-1 effort, and last year the defensive two, as you, as you imagine them, were Son and Wilshire. The three in front of that were Fabregas, Nasri, and uh, generally Arshavin or Walcott. Whereas this year we've got Arteta and Song, and then in front of that we've got Aaron Ramsey, Javinho and Walcott. Pretty. Are we so considerably different from last year? With we've got no chance whatsoever. What finishing in the top four? Or? Um, just just generally. Um, actually, lo- looking like a side that is going to win any of the four trophies. We're, we're still sorry, three trophies we're playing for um, in this season. I think we're a lot more stable and pragmatic in the field. But yeah, I think in a four-three-three, those three players don't create enough chances for the um, the front three. So. Ugh. We're just waiting for Wilshire to come back, really. But, you know, that's going to take a couple of weeks before he gets back to full fitness. And I think, at the moment, what you see is players like Van Persie, especially against Everton, getting a chance and scoring a wonder goal. Um, what will, what may happen in February and March is, and it's, and it's happened in previous seasons, we get to points in the season where our midfield, and they were more creative than previous seasons, so he's slightly scared now with a more sort of defensively minded midfield slightly more stoic against tough sides at home in March, April and we start drawing Nimble again that's going to be a worry for me um, again back to the original que- uh, original. just a quick thing on the topic earlier I don't think Spurs will finish above us just be- I mean you need to look at who they haven't played yet who we have they've still got to go to the Etihad they've still got to go to Anfield they've still got to come to um, the Emirates and they've still got to go play, play Man United at home at, at uh, White Hart Lane. There's a lot of football left to be played, and let's not forget um, there's a few off-field issues they've got to do, deal with as well. And the closer we get to June, the closer Harry Redknapp gets to getting the England job. It's, <laughs> th- there's a lot more uh, to play with in terms of Spurs Arsenal this season than meets the eye. Might he not be tax exiled or something? Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to mention that. Just you, know, <sighs> you can if you want. But I, that's why I said off the Allegedly. field. Thank you, thank you. As the, as the solicitor here, that's a great world to hear. Thank you very much. I mean, has to answer to Ian Hislop. Over <laughs> there, so. Just on the midfield issue, I mean, yeah. the, before Wilshire's development, I think the long-term plan was always that Ramsey would be Fabregas' replacement. Um, I don't think anyone believed Fabregas would see out his career at Arsenal. Mm-hmm. There was always an idea that he would be going at some time. And Ramsey was partly bought um, as the insurance on Fabregas going because Wenger sees him as a similar kind of player. That's certainly how he's obviously being played now. But um, although I agree that we are definitely a more pragmatic team and the number of narrow wins we have enjoyed does demonstrate that. Um, The fantasy that Fabregas used to offer um, has gone. And Ramsey, although he's a tidy player and occasionally can play a very good through ball, as a rule, he's, he's not 
particularly outstanding um, in terms of surprising opposition defenders. Mm. His shot, <clears throat> his finishing ability is pretty woeful. I mean, I don't think that's going to change. I don't think that's something which he, he will develop. I, I just think he's basically a little bit more mediocre than we require and a club of this stature needs. I, I think he's an honest player and, and a real trier and I wouldn't, I wouldn't criticise his efforts but I just, I just think he's, he's, the difference between him and Fabregas is very noticeable and I think uh, you know, as time goes on you kind of realise how good Fabregas was well I think Henri for the next two months at least at least for 20 minutes of each game uh, might supply a bit of that fantasy yes so mm. it's, it's makeshift it's, it's a sticking plaster mm. uh, on, on, on a wound yeah, but, well, but, I mean what's, what's the plan I mean basically when Wilshire is fit who's, who's, who's going to drop out is Wilshire going to become the attacking midfielder or is he going to drop Arteta or Song um, you know, Wenger's got a decision to make, and I would actually try Wilshire in the Fabregas position. And see what happens. Yeah, I think it's what he's sort of building the building the side around long term. I mean, he brought him into the team last year to play a, a defensive role next to someone for most most games. In fairness, um, just so we could get used to playing first team football and doing more running round, I suppose, as much as anything. Um, and I, I can't help but do what I can get down to Labrooks and get Wenger, uh, bet Wenger at the end of January will come out and describe Wilshire like a new signing. Oh, please. Uh, you <laughs> were can, can we get off the Ramsey isn't good enough for Arsenal, but I don't agree with it. I think Ramsey, it's his first full season until his leg got nearly hacked off two years <clears> ago, three years ago, against Stoke. And actually, if you take everything into account, he's done okay. Name another mm. midfielder who's played week in, week out this season for another club who's done okay for us. I'm not saying this is as good as he can get. I think he'll get a lot better in future seasons. What's he missing? A final pass and a final shot on goal. And he's getting there eventually every week. Mark my words, next season, Wilshire, Ramsey, Song, people will be raving about them. I really do believe that Ramsey and Wilshire together looked mm. a bit special in pre-season and unfortunately one of them got injured keep those two fit get a holding midfield behind them and um, I think we'll surprise a few teams next season and hopefully second half of this season uh, I, I like your theory <laughs> I like your theory so but do I the, the big thing is keeping them fit and there seems to be something about the way we play I don't know what it there must be something in the way that we play that no other team has as many injuries as us. I don't think that's true, Bastard. Really? I think that's a, as, as a view. United are this year. All, all fans have their own team. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, if you actually think about it, what, what the problem for us has been is that we've got the injuries in particular positions. Um, but United have had centre-back crisis, you know. Uh, it, it just... It's just the way it feels, but I don't think it's any different. Well, we do have a lot of possession, right? But what we tend to do is we go from one side of the penalty area, back a little bit, all the way around to the other, and, and we, we keep possession for minutes at a time, on a good day. What we don't do uh, often enough is get the ball in the back of the net, because defenders can't hack your legs off when the ball's in the back of the net, because that would be illegal. 
So um, <laughs> okay, well let, let's say the the creativity aspect of the, of the team is going to sort itself out in in terms of Ramsey doing whatever he can until bless him he gets rested the best part of the month in February. I think he's a great player. I, I, th- I think he's a very good player. I mean, yeah. I agree I agree with Preddy but about what he says about the fact that this is the first complete season he's had since mm. his horrific injury and he does look an awful lot slower than he did before I don't blame him for that his leg got you know, separated mm. from his um, well, from no his one's foot. blaming Ramsey mm. no one's blaming him but we're just pointing out that uh, it's not of the level that we need it to be and I mean with every you know I have every sympathy for the player but do you have sympathy for Abu Dhabi of course we do but would you keep him at the club no you wouldn't mm. you know there comes a point and I don't think we've reached this point with Ramsey yet but you realise after a time that the player is not going to be what they could have been it's just bad luck and uh, you don't have to look at other options I, I disagree with you I disagree with you on Ramsey I mean I'm thinking more along the lines of uh, obviously Chamak hasn't fit, fitted the bill uh, and I think Arshavan unless he really starts pulling his finger out another player we haven't mentioned is Rosicki who he comes on he looks very bright but we tend to not do very well uh, so I've noticed yeah, I, don't, I don't see the difference between Rosicki getting into our side and playing half an hour every game or bringing someone like Lansbury back on loan from West Ham and giving him the same role I don't think Rosicki is that much better than someone like Lansbury he promised, uh, promised and he's to not going to get that much better Lansbury could We've we've got uh, sorry change the subject and moving sideways across the team ever so slightly. Um, I've got an email here from Guy Alexander, which we received just before Christmas. Uh, if you're listening again, Guy, thank you very much. Um, it reads like this, saying, "Just thought I'd drop a drop your line. Say I'm a big fan, and please keep up the good work. I'd like to make a point and offer a question on the subject of Nasri. I'm going to have to disagree that he left purely for money." He has said that he wanted to play with the best in the world, not to be a big fish in a small pond. We all get depressed to see names such as Scalacci, Chamak, Danielson, Abue and Almunia in the starting eleven. So when no major purchases were made in the summer to replace Sesk and to a lesser extent Clichy, Bentner etc, he must have been as pissed off as we all were. He isn't a gooner, he didn't have to stick with a team that was in decline. Of course, money made a difference, but I genuinely think... He went for a legitimate reason. What do you think of that, Bastien? Well, he's playing on Channel 5 now, isn't he? <laughs> and I don't think he's, uh, he's a small fish in the big sea, maybe. He's not really fitted in that well at Man City. Uh, and uh, I can't, you know, fr- from an Arsenal fan's perspective, good riddance. Uh, you know, any player who leaves Arsenal, um, it, you know, for me... Uh, uh, any football fan feels the same way I, I, don't, I don't go with all this oh well he had to go and all that I, even with Fabregas okay look you know he's gone to Barcelona I think Fabregas gave us as much as he could I think it was the way that Nasri went uh, just left a, somehow a bit of taste in the mouth and um, I think it was just yeah you could see the rats jumping a sinking ship and thought oh I'll go with them I, I don't know. It's nice to see players who go sod this. I'm an Arsenal player. I'm gonna, you know, I'm. Con- I rather concentrate on the Thierry Henry spirit than the Nasri one. Let's mm. put it that mm. way. Mm. In fairness, I have to raise this. Uh, <laughs> Thierry Henry renewed his deal at the end of the 2006 season and negotiated uh, a five million pounds loyalty bonus um, for signing up for another four years, and part of the condition on which he signed was that loyalty bonus was paid up front at the start of the contract a year later he went so 
the point about this is that ultimately all players are mercenaries and they're heavily influenced by their agents and anyone who gets an emotional attachment to a player in the team is living in La La Land, all right? Occasionally, La La Land. occasionally it does work out. You get a Tony Adams. Occasionally it happens. Dennis Bergkamp? Uh, well, the reason Dennis was happy to stay at Arsenal was, I suspect, mainly because of the flying thing. I think, <laughs> just didn't want to leave I think, I think if, he, <laughs> if he was a normal player... His agents would have been negotiating very good deals for him in 1999 and 2000. Well, surely he'd have been better off not living on an island then. He could have lived in sort of France or Germany. Yes, but the, point, the, point, the point being, other teams wouldn't buy him because of the flying thing. Mm. Because flying became, a, 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 you know, especially as the Champions League begin, began to involve a lot more games and... You know, I mean, even even domestically, a lot of teams fly now. I find that a bit strange because I know we're going off the mark a bit here, but mm. I never understood that with Henri. Look, there's a massive big train system in in Europe. You know, if he was living in Brazil where they don't have trains, fair enough. But you know, he's a grown man, couple of bodyguards, first class train ticket. You know, but see you there tomorrow, everyone. You know, we'll set off a day early. Burkham would have deal. been happy to travel by train. Yeah, Burkham would have been happy. He'd go by bicycle. The clubs. The clubs that might have bought him weren't interested. I think Kevin made a really good point actually going back to the Henri situation where we said, okay, you know, our players loyal and, you know, if we gave him five million then he buggered off him within 12 months. Um, I was actually saying this to someone else today, I think footballers mature as gentlemen or as people a lot later than I think normal people do because money's thrown at them from an early age. And what you see now is a, a different Henri to what we saw 10 years ago or even 6 years ago. I think mm. he's a lot more humble. And I think he's generally, genuinely touched that, you know, a club that he left. And, he, you know, and he was, sl- I think at the time when he left, he did think he was slightly too good for us, to tell you the truth. And he, he did become a little bit arrogant. And, you know, he's a different player now than he was then. Back to the Nasri, you know, do, you know Nasri went for... The reasons that that was discussed in the the email. Uh, Nasri went for money. Okay, let's let's be really blunt about this. Nasri went for money. He was getting paid probably I don't know probably double what he's getting now. And he's sitting on the bench. He's not playing against the best players in the world. He's playing against uh, you know Stoke reserves away. He's not he's not getting into the team. He had a good start. He, and he'll, he won't be at Man City next season. He'll be kicking for first and he'll go back to Paris Saint-Germain or probably Spurs like Adebayo did. Well, to be fair to footballers, they are not that different from prostitutes in the <laughs> sense that they have up until their sort of uh, 30s to uh, earn their, their, their whack and then well, they're going to retire. Drop has come so, out to it and said he's got two years left to play. In, I think uh, Wayne Rooney could inform you on that uh, particular viewpoint for them. It's another story. Well, he, him and all his uh, clientele will have to retire together when they're in their 30s, won't they? You've missed the point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, our I'm audience, did, our audience <laughs> won't, but anyway. Uh, Pradeep, just going to the, the second part of, of Guy's email. I'll yeah. just read to you now. It says, uh, ideally, now a question for the panel. Wenger's reluctance to buy players is well known, but for much of the past couple of years, he stated his reason that to be in that the bit that sorry that to be it harms the development of the youngsters if you buy players. Mm-hmm. With the emergence of Song, Wilshire, Chesney, and now Coquelin, Frimpong, and possibly Mikel, did Wenger have a point? 
If we'd bought Given, like many of us were screaming for, would Chesney be wallowing in the reserves still? No, I think he makes a good point, um, but at the same time there were points within the last two, three years when we needed some experience at the right times. So it's good to, you know, you blood the younger players, but you do what Ferguson did, you know, when, I think, 96, when Beckham and Scholes, well, I think Scholes already established, you know, the likes of Beckham were in the side, had been coming, you had Cantona there. And, you know, same point now, and maybe it's a good time for Henri to come back, because in the past, when we just have your youngsters in the squad, playing week in and week out, they make mistakes, they go to Wigan away, they lose, they go to Blackburn away, they lose. You need some experience in there, you need someone for them to look up to, someone who's been there before, who will go in the trenches, who will fight with them and come back 1-0 away from home, you know, in the northeast. I, I think I've just got to interject there. You, you name a list of players or from that email, you know, the other young players that were given the chance to develop, Danielson, Nicholas Bentner, mm. Armand Traore, um, you know, uh, uh, the other question I have is this for, for the emailer. You know, in, in 2008, the summer of 2008, you've got a decision to make. You're going to give this Brazilian kid, Danielson, a chance, or you're going to sign Xavi Alonso and stop Danielson's career in his tracks. Mm. You know, you've got to make that decision. Wenger made it. Would he make the same as the decision with hindsight? What, Alonso or Danielson? That was a decision. Uh, yeah, that, that, was, that was the summer when Liverpool were desperate to sign Gareth Barry from Aston Villa and they wanted yeah. to get rid of Xavi Ch- yeah. Alonso, who ended up signing not for Leicester, not for Wigan, but Real Madrid. Maybe he's quality. In but his last season at Liverpool, uh, Alonso's last season at Liverpool, Liverpool lost two Premier League matches. The only reason they didn't win the title was because they had too many draws. Mm. Um, if we'd have had him... Uh, I reckon we probably could have even won the title in 2008-2009 and one name that was missing from that list of youngsters was Oxlada Chamberlain who Mm. now that's the sort of player I don't mind watching every week and week you know week in week out I I have every faith in him you know I don't want to scupper his career by saying it I will touch wood or at least teak um that uh, he, uh, he's, he's a very he's good player, but there's a lot of hype about him. And what I find watching him is that over 90 minutes, he is inconsistent. He, he, he was actually quite peripheral in the first half against Leeds. He hardly got the ball. He seems to come on in the second half. Now, I've nothing against that because he is so young and he mm. needs game time and he needs mm. to just gel in and it would be a lot easier for him to do that if he was surrounded by more experience but part of the reason Wenger isn't throwing him in as a matter of course is because he doesn't want the kid to flounder mm. um, so he's got to be handled carefully mm. but immense potential well yeah. he runs at players he's got a yeah. shot from distance yeah. which mm-hmm. is something that Very we really could player. use and uh, yeah I mean I, I'm, I, 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 uh, fingers crossed you know that Please God, he doesn't go down that sort of road of like being, you know, uh, loaned out somewhere. Mm. And well, maybe can, he needs to be loaned it out. It can work with young players. Young players can come into a team and make a mark and become established. It happened under George Graham. You know, we we kind of quite a few youngsters come through. People like Mickey Thomas, Paul Merson, Jake You know, they just came in and they were surrounded by experienced players and they became part of the team. Um, you can't do it with too many at the same time. You know, the balance has to be right. So, yes, I agree, there's got to be room for young players to come through, but you just can't, can't do too much of it at the same time. You don't, you don't pay £12 million for a player and loan him out, I'm sorry. 
Well, £12 million for um, a guy who's had just one season playing for Southampton in the third division. He's got an awful lot of weight on his shoulders to deliver, but you know what, let's see what happens when he's 25, let alone 18. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, before we wrap up, a quick mention for the forthcoming Gooner from the editor, Kev. Indeed, it will be on sale at the Man United home game on Sunday 22nd of January. And I have a feeling there will be quite a bit about a certain player currently wearing the number 12 shirt. Carlos Vela? <laughs> uh, almost. And uh, chances are he'll be on the cover as well. So uh, please. He wouldn't have even got into the 1971 side wearing a number 12 shirt, would he? No, because the numbers in those days, very different. So yes, please you got buy. It, Kev, you got it. Please buy on uh, the Man United game or the subsequent ones against Villa or Blackburn. Thank you very much, Kevin. We're now going to take another short break before recording our third and final podcast of the evening. But for those of you who have just caught this one, if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, the address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. Thanks once again to our sponsors, gunashirts.com. I'm your host, David Udo, bidding you farewell with my thanks for listening. la di da di da la di da di dee mm. All good friends and a good company. Well, hey!